Well, hey there. Welcome to Discover Your Sensational Path podcast. I'm Erin Gruich. I'm an occupational therapist, owner of Sensational Path, and creator of the Sensational Path Mobile Sensory Clinic. I'm so excited to have you on our podcast, a podcast for parents, teachers, and occupational therapists to learn and connect around topics of sensory integration, sensory regulation, sensory spaces, and the ins and outs of running a clinic on big wheels. Try to catch me howling at the Okay, so I'm here today with Katie Webster. Katie's joining us all the way from Scotland, where she's in the middle of a storm, and I'm here in Alberta, and it's minus 32 is the last thing that um, Google told me. So we're both having a little bit of struggles with Mother Nature, but I'm so glad that we're able to connect here and to talk about occupational therapy and sensory. So Katie is also a mom of two boys, is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. Um, So we're both occupational therapists. We're both moms of boys. And she lives in Scotland and I love everything about Scotland. So I warned her that I may go off on tangents about Scotland. And I guess that's okay, right? (laughs) Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, how long you've been an occupational therapist, a bit about your practice. Okay. Um, Thanks so much for inviting me on. Um, Therapist in the far north of Scotland. I qualified about 15 years ago um, and my practice has initially I was straight into mental health and I thought I would stay in mental health for my whole career but actually I then moved into working in learning disabilities. I then moved into sort of a community development, health equalities type role, which was really interesting. Um, Then I went back to learning disabilities and then I went into sort of your traditional OT practice, sort of equipment and housing adaptations for physical disability. But at the same time, I was also running my own practice, sort of an outdoor-based occupational therapy practice um, out of our Croft which is like a a small farm um, that you only get in Scotland, I think. Um, So I was doing that for a couple of years and that's where I really, I'd been doing sensory work when I worked in learning disabilities and mental health, but that's when I really got stuck in um, and developed a lot of my own resources and um, got quite creative in how I used them. So um, I do that alongside my NHS practice. Okay, yeah, that was one of the questions I had for you. I wondered if you worked for the NHS or if you worked privately. Now, when you say you're in the far north, I did my placements in Scotland. So I did actually 20 years ago now. I was in Scotland, in Glasgow, and in Perth, completing my placements. So I did one in mental health in Glasgow in a day hospital, and then in Perth I did pediatrics. And that's really where I learned a lot about sensory because they... I didn't learn it in school. They didn't talk about it in school, but in Scotland it seemed to be something that you guys use a bit more in your practice. But my question that I was going to ask was, um, like, are you a sole OT way up north or are there other OTs up there that you can kind of problem solve with and chat with? Um, In my NHS work, um, we are a team of 
three for a town of around probably around 10,000 plus the outlying areas and then there's another so there are a few OTs up in the far north and I haven't actually found an OT up here who does a lot of sensory work and the pediatric OTs do do a little bit but they they don't do the full sensory integration or anything like that up here you have to travel a few hundred miles before you get to um a service that can provide that kind of therapy and um, probably Perth actually would might be the nearest I'm not sure um, certainly I'm not so sure about pediatrics um, I'm more from a learning disabilities autism background and adults um, but yeah certainly down in Glasgow the central belt um, dentistry is used a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay so you've been an occupational therapist for about 15 years but you have something that you're working on a project that you've been working on do you want to share that with us? Um, yes, um, I'm sharing it everywhere I possibly can at the moment. Um, last summer, I ran my first online program, which was a sort of sensory strategies for crowding out stress, for replenishing resilience. It was an online program. I worked with um, some amazing women from all over the world um, using worksheets at that time um, to help them tune into what sensation was doing for them through the day, to notice what sensations they were or were not getting in their lives. Um, and that that was a six-week program, and it was so good. It worked so well. And I realized while I was while we were working through it that while the worksheets worked, they they would make an amazing journal. So once the program finished, I started pulling together the worksheets into an actual physical hold-in-your-hand journal and um, figuring out how you produce a journal <laughs> um, rather than a PDF worksheet, which is much easier. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's pretty much finished. It's at the printers at the moment, getting a couple of last tweaks sorted. Um, and I'm hoping that sort of mid to late February, I'll be able to um, release it properly to the world. Um, Yay! I'm so excited about <laughs> I'm excited about it. I want to see this and get my hands on it because I've seen little um, clips that you've posted and it looks like really comprehensive and really user-friendly. So who would this be for? I designed it originally, um, you know, last summer, which was for my my clients. So it was pitched at la- that level, like there's an, an introduction to sense the senses at the beginning and it's in easy language. It really keeps it simple because um, obviously OTs have enormous knowledge about sensory, but sometimes that can be too enormous. Um, so <laughs> certainly for getting started into tuning into your senses. So the the journal itself is pitched to be accessible to anyone, any teenager, any adult. Um, But at the moment, I am trying to connect it with OTs. One of the things I found, one of the things a lot of my friends and colleagues who have used sensory approaches have found is that it's really helpful to tune into your own sensory self before or alongside working with clients and their sensory selves. This this is a really nice way of doing it, a really fun, enjoyable way of doing it, alongside a lot of the heavier sensory integration study that we do. Um, so yeah, at the moment, um, OTs, um, but it would be a useful 
tool for OTs to use with their clients as well. So I think there's a lot of potential for it. I think it would be interesting to use, like, I'm always telling parents, and I'm a parent myself, like, you can't regulate others if you can't regulate yourself. And so as a parent, if you could do a journal of self-reflection, wouldn't that be great to then be able to regulate yourself and then help your kids stay regulated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hadn't even thought of that because I don't work in pediatrics. Um, I've always worked with teenagers or in adults. But yeah, exactly. And one thing I've found with working with people with this journal is that you just don't, most of the time we do not notice the sensations going around us, on around us. And we definitely don't notice what they're doing to us. And when you go straight in to try to notice what's happening to your child in terms of sensations how can you do that if you're not really aware of what is actually going on what it's doing to you um so yeah co-regulation as well as Mm self-regulation yeah and I started reading a book at Christmas that was about it was Spark have you read this book Spark by John Rattay or Rattay I'm not sure how you say his last name but it's all about movement and how movement um he talks about anxiety and depression, but just how movement makes us feel better. So since I started reading this book on holidays, I've come back and I've just started moving and really just to help me get through all the things that are going on. We're in the middle of getting ready to move and all of this stuff. So I guess in a way I'm tuning into my sensory regulation. If I had your journal, I could probably um, be a little bit more in tune. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you would be noticing things a bit more systematically. Um, And I think the movement thing's a really big thing in our society. Um, When working with people I worked with over the past year, which were all, you know, it was much more women's health, it was much more mental well-being rather than sort of clinical populations. And seriously, there was, in terms of movement, there was serious sensory deprivation going on. You know, adult women with jobs and careers and kids. Movement's one of the first things that can be phased out of our lives. You know, if you like running, if you like hiking, if you like going to the gym, you probably don't prioritize that compared to work, kids, kids clubs, making dinner, doing the house, commuting. We sit. (laughs) That's what we do. And that is sensory deprivation. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I just signed up to present about sensory regulation. I've never really gotten into this realm, but I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a mom. I talk about sensory all the time. And I want to help other entrepreneurs realize that, you know, if we want to be more productive, we actually need to move and fulfill our sensory needs so that we can regulate, so that we can be productive, so that we can be calm and and still be good parents and wives and all of these things. So I think sensory is, I don't know, I just think it's such an important topic. It's so interesting to me. I do need to kind of bring it down to a level where people understand it. So that was a good tip that you... (laughs) You brought up. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I get so excited about it. And I I think in your profile, you said you, um, what did you say? Something about geeking out about sensory or something. Was that you? Yeah, me too. And (laughs) I get so excited about it. And then I need to just tame it down a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Yes, definitely. What would be maybe your top tips to, um, 
to somebody about sensory regulation. Oh, wow. You're putting me on the spot. Yeah, I I didn't warn you about that one. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. I think like most OTs, we usually go for the proprioception, the vestibular, the tactile. You know, those are the critical three for the foundations. And particularly with adults, there's a good chance you're not a lot of... adults aren't getting those so look at those and you know I mean that's part of why I developed the journal because people are like well I don't know I've just got a normal life and by digging into it you notice what's missing and you notice what you're maybe doing too much of so probably proprioception tactile vestibular just move yes yes (laughs) then start to notice what else is going on um I working with with people very often people are tuned into visual sensitivity or auditory sensitivity and and that's really important but you you need those three as your foundations before you look at the rest yes I have a funny story I went to the playground with my kids in the summer and my back was kind of bugging me so I was like you know I'm just gonna hang upside down on the monkey bars (laughs) you know what's coming don't you yeah so I thought that that would make my back feel better but as we get older, our vestibular sensation, it changes. And um, so, and also not moving as much, our vestibular system gets more sensitive. So I hung upside down and immediately felt like I was going to vomit. Um, I quickly got back upright and um, I was ill. Like I was, yes, I had all the, all the signs of vestibular overload like I was dizzy I had a headache my eyes were kind of funny it was not good so my mom's friend said check your birth certificate before you hang upside down (laughs) it was funny um there's no way I could hang upside down anymore (laughs) oh yeah I'm I'm gonna work up to it maybe Mm -hmm. do some downward dog and try to get used to being upside down a bit but how can people get a hold of your journal or it's at the you said it's at the publishers now but where can people find you and get in touch with you to access this journal okay um instagram is probably the best place to get me at the moment um and that's at sensational self and the journal is due to come out sort of mid to the end of february and if people are interested it's great to let me know in advance so i know roughly what sort of numbers to be ordering there's a link on my instagram um profile to sort of the wait list page for the journal. So you can sign up there. Um, I've set it up so that it's a journal with a masterclass that kind of explains and trains you how to use the journal and what you're looking for. It's, um, I'm really pleased with it. I think it'll be really good. So I can't wait. (laughs) So um, yeah, and hopefully I will have the online platform beyond the coming soon page set up very soon. But um, there's a lot of tech stuff going on in the background right now. Yes, well, it sounds sounds great. I'm excited for it, and I'm going to go and get my name on that wait list because I want to get a hold of it, and I hope that everybody that's listening signs up and gets a hold of it. And um, if you have questions, you can um, send me a message or send a message to Katie via Instagram, and I will put the links in the show notes. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, and... Um, I think we'll be in touch again soon. I hope so. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to my show. 
please leave a review and leave comments so that I can always improve and bring you more of what you want to hear about sensory integration, sensory regulation, sensory spaces, and the ins and outs of running a clinic on big wheels. To discover more about Sensational Path, jump over to www.sensationalpath.com or come find me on Facebook or Instagram. I can't wait to hear what you thought of this episode. Yeah.